0: You are listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kivelovich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, we're actually as we approached Rosh Hashanah, as we approach Yom Hadin, I, I called on my very good friend Rabbi Krohn, uh, and again, he takes my cold call all the time, uh, and especially as we approach Yom Adin, as I said, I feel Rabbi Krohn is the right person to speak with. I have to say that I heard from the great Rav Sholom Shadron, when I was learning in Eretz Yisrael many years ago, a story that he sold over from the messiahs that they had of the great Lithuanian yeshivas. I believe he said it was Voloshon, but I'm not sure. But in that yeshiva, the yeshiva, or the mashkiach, saw Bokrim speaking very excitedly in the back. And it was clear that they weren't standing in front of a Gemara. They weren't arguing over a page of Rashi Thesis, so that the Rosh Hashiva slash Mashkiach came over and asked them what it was that they were talking about. And he said, we're talking about the Yitzhahara, Sipure Maissius of Vimikan, Upshog in the Yitzhahara, Vimikan, Megabre's the Yitzhahara. So the Mashkiach yelled at them and said, Dus is a in the Yitzhahara. To speak and to stop learning and to speak about the Yitzhahara, he says, that's the Yitzhahara's etz itself. So Sholem said, Dus is a This was what it used to be. But hai in the he says, "What's the he said, sometimes you have to close the Mars you have to give that time to allocate, and it has to be specifically stories, specifically stories that can make real how one can deal with the problem, not only the etzahara, but in terms of so many other issues of, 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 overcoming uh, a sense of lack of self-worth, of being able to be machazik and avidus Hashem, of a person not giving up in the seriousness of life, sipuri Dafka. So on that note, the person who represents to me, Rav Sholem in the greatest way, Rabbi Pesach Krohn. I hope that we can use the time that we have here to talk about some sipuri maisiyas that we hope our listeners can take and use as a vehicle for the avidus Hashem as we come into Yemei Adin.
1: I appreciate your kind words and of course Avram I appreciate your friendship for many many years and why in the world wouldn't I take your call whenever you call I feel like a brother for many many years yes, yes. Uh, I have to tell don't...
0: you I, I think I've said told you before I have been mistaken for you oh really well again now I have like a little bit of a beard but you know yeah. people have said to me
1: Do you know you look like Pesach Kro. you know are, are you related to him I said, I feel like I'm related to it, but that's right. But- so I want to begin by sharing a story that I heard just the other day, and um, it is really so moving, and I think that this is a perfect introduction for Elo. Um, I have a dear friend, his name is Rabbi Yaakov Hopfer, and Yaakov Hopfer and I were in Turbadas together, we graduated in 1962, we graduated high school together, we were in for a little while together, and then he went on to Eretz Yisrael. For a while, he was in Ponovich, he came back, and then eventually, in 1967, in the spring of 67, he went to learn in the Yeshiva of Mir in Eretz Yisrael. At that time, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, well, Rav Chaim Sachino was the uh, Rosh Yeshiva. Now, the reason that Rabbi Hopford's father sent him to Mir was because Rabbi Hopford's father, who was a brilliant man, had learned in Mir in Europe, and he knew Rav Chaim Levitz. And so he felt that it would be a tremendous thing now that Rav Chaim was a reshiva that his son would learn from him. And he sent them there and he asked him to go in and give him regards and all. Now, Yaakov Hafer told me that his father had a chavusa every single night in Crown Heights with a man by the name of Rav Moshe Gurevitz. Rav Moshe Gurevitz was a noted Tom Chacham. He was a Rebbe in the Crown Heights yeshiva for many, many years. And when he heard that his friend's son Yaakov is going to Mir, to Rab Chaim. He said, I need you to do me a favor. Yaakov said, what can I do for you? He said, you know, I grew up with Rab Chaim in Stuchin. I didn't learn in Mir. I learned in Slambodka, But we grew up together as teenagers. And I have a very special picture of Rab Chaim when he was 14 years old. I've had it so many years. I'd like to give it to you to give to him because I kind of think that he's going to enjoy seeing that picture. So Yaakov told me that he took the picture, and of course, he was wondering how in the world is he going to give a picture to a very famous Rosh Hashiva, but he figured, okay, I'll try to get into a conversation, and, and then he'll do it. And when he came there, Rab Chaim was very happy to see him, and he spoke about his father, who he remembered from Mir. And then Yaakov said, I would like to tell the Rosh Hashiva that uh, my father has a Seder and learning with Ezra Moshe Gurevitz, who gave me a picture of the Rosh yeshiva when he was a teenage boy, a 14-year-old boy, and I'd like to give it to you. And Rab Chaim was surprised, like he wasn't expecting to get a picture from a bocha that's coming into the Yeshiva. And he just looked at the picture and he just stared at it. And he didn't say anything. He was just so silent. And the silence was like uncomfortable. And then he said to Yaakov, and Shul excuse me for a minute. And he took the picture, looking at the picture, and he walked to the wall on the other side of the room, and he started crying. He just looked at that picture, and there was something about that picture that just made him cry. Now, a few weeks earlier, Reb Chaim had had a stroke, and he, his speech was a drop slurred, the after effect of the stroke. He kept on looking at the picture, he was crying, and then he came back. And Yaakov told me when he sat down, his eyes were very red. And he said in Yiddish, Bosat mit What did I do with my life? And Yaakov told me that was such a challenging statement to him that he has never forgotten it, and he thinks about it often. He was a man who became a Rosh Yeshiva, who taught thousands by his shiurim, by personal example, and by his writings, and Shmuzen, and he is now at the beginning of the frailties of his life, thinking maybe I didn't accomplish enough with my life, maybe I didn't achieve as much as I should. As, as someone who had the
0: spouse also to learn in the mirror, about 10 years after that oh, um, my exactly 10 years, and I yeah. spent every Shabbos afternoon, uh, sitting behind Rav Chaim sitting behind. Really? Every Shabbos afternoon, I learned in, in the Besmedrish, and Rav Chaim would sit in the front, because he would he lived in the building. So I, was, I had this whole right, right, right. sitting behind him, and I would see him. And of course, he'd also not only had a stroke, but he also had tongue cancer, as you know. And because of that, uh, you needed to really become a, a, a bucky in how Rav Chaim spoke to understand his, right, his learning. Right, um, right, and, and, right. and you could see the effort that he put into it. Um, right. But I, I, I was thinking you know, you mentioned, you know, he was known not only as, as Rav Chaim Stachiner, but the Stachiner Ili, and he, right. Rav Shimon, was the one that Rav Shimon, by Rav Shimon Shkop, who we know the Grodna Yeshiva there, Shari Teira, the r- original, <laughs> <Right. laughs> the original. It was, it was full of sharp Iliya and right. they, they had a tremendous gesture with Rav Shimon, as Rav Chaim did, and Rav Chaim wrote, the, Rav Chaim was given the, the job of writing over Rav Shimon's Yesodis, which became the Sefer Marechas Kenyonim. So uh-huh. you can imagine that who Rav Chaim was. He was right. he was taif as that brilliance of Rav Shimon Shkop. Right. But I'm thinking that we all know that you know it was a grace Bal Musar in his own way. Like he almost, in a way, when he had when he was forced to become the Mashkiach after Rav Chazab died. He really turned Musser into a different Avoida, those those that you were talking about, the sichas sure. we we're, were a completely different cook on Musser up right. until that point. It was from a, a Talmud Chacham going to Otsum's perspective, but he still, right. he, I think, he knew what Musser was. So I, when when you told, when you are saying this story, I'm I'm, I, 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 I'm touched by not only Rav Chaim, as you say, his incredible modesty in saying bus like like thinking that he hadn't accomplished enough and thinking that he hadn't been great enough and, 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 and moneying himself for where he could have been and crying over that. But I'm also thinking that why he went and didn't want to cry in front of Rav Hafer. You could say everybody would be embarrassed to cry in front of someone. I don't think that was the nakuda I think it was similar to something which, which we once spoke about in the name of Ramesh Marta Hayepstein, uh, Ramesh Mardachai was, of course, also a, a Balmusser Rosh Hashiva, as you know. He was the Slabotka Rosh Hashiva, but also a Goinotzim in learning. So he would say that the Welt Nisht, why is it that we send people out by uh, Yisker? And, and when we were kids, you remember Pesach, we always thought that we were sent out because it shouldn't be an iron horror on us, that we shouldn't Nein. be with, with the people who lost, right? Their, their parents or their brothers or sisters. And of course, we grew up with plenty of yisker zokers because we grew right. up in the door after the Shoya. But Rabbi Shemar said, it isn't because we don't want to put eye and heart on them. He says there's a Yisoy that when and he based this on the Gemara and Sukkai, I believe, that when, when people are margish simcha, and the other person doesn't understand what it is, and, and the Simcha, and the person next to you doesn't chap, it's a, it's, it's a zilsul in that person. That the person can't really detect why it's almost like at a, at a, at a, at a imagine uh, a a a a party of 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 executives and some stock boy comes in and he feels even though they're he's there he's completely out of place he doesn't understand the sichas who and, and what's so funny right. what they're talking right. Right. and having right. that guy having that guy around is almost an insult to him right so in the same yeah. way Reb Moshe said when people aren't margish. Your, what, what you're feeling. And the feeling of, of saying yiskar Anyam Kippur, anytime for people who've lost someone is, 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 is in a way cathartic and therapeutic, and in a way, if not simchadic, but in a way that you know that you can remember the person who's gone and dedicate yourself and give tzdoka, a person who hasn't lost. Has a fear of death. Doesn't understand it. Finds it something scary. He doesn't hop Why you're besimcha? He doesn't hop Why you're you have that sense of equanimity, and therefore you send that person away so he shouldn't feel estranged by the atmosphere of what's going on because it would be a zilzel in him. And I'm wondering that maybe Rav Chaim understood. I don't know how old Rav Hopper was, but I, I assume he was just a younger twenty. No, the most. If that. and and maybe. To understand that muster that you're saying, he, uh, to, to see those tears, Hitaka went away because you know, it, 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 not because he was embarrassed. It's because it was almost like a midos to 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 when something is the other person can't be is what it is. Right?
1: There's a, there's an Indian of. Of, of not embarrassing him by expecting him to re- respond to an, an introspection. And it's a time to think about everything that we stand for and everything that we've accomplished and uh, where, where we're heading. You know, Rav Shach once said, a Jew that's not tied to the past has no hope of being connected to the future. And I think that we have to be connected not only to the past, but to our own past and see, you know, what have we done this past year? You know, there's a great vort, great vort. Um a Hashem alakha Hashem's eyes, Meraish ad Adakh Hashanah. Did you ever hear this word? That Hashem's eyes are on us from the beginning of the year Hashanah Ad Akh Hoshanah till the end of the year. So everybody asks, why does it say Merais Hashanah Adakh Hoshanah? It should say Miracious Hashanah Adakhus Hashanah or Meraish Hashanah Adakhoshana. Why the hey in the beginning and that? And not at the end. So, Oma Farsham say, but then I want to tell you something brilliant from the Satmar Rebbe. Oma Farsham say that what it is at the beginning of the year, we say, This is going to be Hashanah. This is the year I'm going to learn. I'm going to daven, and give stock. I'm going to be nice to everyone. And then at the end, Achris, Tashana, it the Shana was a year just like every other year. That's so it. the Hilige Satma Rebbe said, hey, When am I going to redeem you? Achris Keratius. Aha, I hear. Isn't that Givaldic? Achris, (laughs) when you make the Achris, Shona like the Horatius Hashona. So now's the time. Okay, so Abhaim Brim said that at least he felt that for part of his life he lived under the Kipa HaOlam the Kipa HaOlam of the Chavetz Chaim. So, of course, he was a young man when the Chavetz Chaim died, but at least he was there in the same atmosphere. And 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 we were fortunate to be in the same atmosphere as Rab Chaim. All of your listeners today, we're all here by Rab Chaim. So it pays to listen to see what he was. I mean, we'll never be the the Masmid or the Tamat chacham that he was, but you know there were so many stories about him. But I, I'll tell you something very interesting. I we're heard talking about, as I said, Pastor, We're talking for
0: our most of our younger listeners. Rab Chaim Haste, Rab Chaim Kanyevsky Right.
1: Exactly. Right. So I heard a great story, and I want to tell you a comment. I was learning with Rav David Gohan this morning. And I'll tell you something, because you would love this. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Um, it seems that somebody went to Rab Chaim. He was 52 years old. He was not married, and he went for a bracha to get, uh, to get a shidduch. So Rab Chaim was talking to him, and he said to him, Ken Zayn, that your, uh, your kala wasn't born yet. And um, so... You know, the guy almost fainted. What do you mean? His collar wasn't born. He's 52. Was he got to wait another 18 years till she's born and gets developed, and then he can get married. So he just left. He was very puzzled. And six months later, he married a giuris. <laughs> and uh, it was just incredible because, of course, Geshe and his guy had a cotton dummy. So it's as if she was born. She became a guerris. let's say, two months after that uh, this fellow was with Abchaim. So in a sense, she was born. So when he got married, he went back to Rab Chaim, and uh, he said to, you know, he thanked Rab Chaim for the broken and he told him what he said, so listen to what Rab Chaim said. Rab Chaim said, you know, when I said it to you, I thought maybe that's what it could mean. <laughs> in other words, Rab Chaim had said something which he said some many times. Sometimes he said something, he didn't even know why he said it. Hashem put it in his mouth. So, when I wrote the story, I wrote that it was like Shina Medaberas Mitoch now, I told it to Rabbi David Cohen this morning, and he said, "You can't say that." I said, "Why?" He said, "Because that's said about Moshe Rabbeinu, and like, come, Moshe." So, as great as Rabbi Chaim was, it's not Moshe Rabbeinu. We know yeah. that Tariq says nobody's. So he wouldn't let me use that expression about Shekhinah Right now. You do sometimes have this lotion
0: about Hohammod of Minovi and Nizra and if you do have this idea of Saudi Go right. I'll tell you the way yeah. I understand um, what he might have meant, you know, why it's a Derek Heshire, because um, you know, there's a, a famous philosophical debate that was really brought up um, in, the, in the Middle Ages and then in the high uh, beginning of the Renaissance period about what is the site of a Nefesh HaGer? What is, what, how does that happen? How do you have the transformation? We know that Chazal talk about the Neshomas of Gehrim being at Harsinai. Right. And, but, but you say, Kikot and So it's an interesting uh, question about how did he start? What happens? How does this transformation work? There are halachic nafken aveim and other things in terms of marriage. And Chazal themselves come up with humrus because people, even the right, Tzedek themselves, and Qal Yisro also had a hard time being typhus. Is this a new barrier? Is this a new being? But I saw yesterday uh, an application, Halacha which I think has bearing on this Reh uh, Chaim Ulay In Simon Mem, um, there's a, a shayla about what a brocha, a Geir Tzedek, should make in the morning. Should he make the brocha of, can he make a brocha, ani goy? Can he make Zabrocha or not? <laughs> so the Ramo holds he can't make that brocha. He can't make that brocha. He should not make the brocha asani So um, the 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 Mefarshim understand that the Ramon means that he makes a different nusach brocha. That his nusach brocha is osani ger. That's the brocha that he makes shosani ger. And on this the Paiskim disagree with the Ramo, The Mishnah brings it down and says that, how can you say Asani ger, he, he, that was, it's true, the, there were many reasons why a person becomes a ger or a geirus, and obviously the Rebbeinah Shalom was in charge of all those things, basically, but you can't say that he made you into this ger, that was your choice, that was your b'khir. you're taking away the exclusive of the ger, right. if you say it's the Rebbeinah Shalom, sho'asani. Uh, so, so, but the Ramo seems to hold that the, that you can say uh, you can talk and make that brocha, You can make that brocha shel asani ger, which meant that the person, in a way, shops themselves. <laughs> that you're right. You know, the Rebbeinu Shalom and you are shutfim, A ger tzedek is a shutvim with the Rebbeinu and in a way, shasani that you created the situation that allowed me to to use my bechira to become a ger tzedek. So that that's according to the ramah. Uh, the Maral and others have a, a, a more mystical approach, and they say that he kataka make the brocha she osani, uh, she osani goi, because be'etzem, a ger, is a, is a neshoma that's nidche. And it's true through all the signs, whether it's meeting a Jewish girl, whether it's discovering a, a, a lecture by Pesach Kron, or whatever it is that somehow inspires this non Jew. To move towards things. What he's actually discovering is the Neshama he always had. That's and right,
1: because he, was, that he, he wasn't
0: was, a Right, that's right. And therefore, he could talk, and now that he becomes that Gertsedek, realizing the Neshama that was covered up, he's able to say, mm-hmm. So I think this is the Machlekis, the Ramah, and the, and, and the Maral. Might be the soft fake. again. I, I know I'm reading a lot into the story, but based, I'm sort of doing what Rav Shalom would want me to do. <laughs> in other words, I'm taking this ipor and I'm making it into a shnichel gemara. Then maybe yeah, the, I'll tell you something interesting. I don't the know. Flu. Was my rois right spirit. Then maybe that's the shot. In other words, is when a person becomes a geir, is he shopping himself? And in that sense, in a way, it's kilu. He's not here yet. It's as if he's lein noyilat that he hasn't yet plugged in, he hasn't, and therefore you could say he's or do you say like the maral, that basically the gear is take here and he's takahyogiboren, so I think that could be the ulai the efshir it's worth hearing anyway, that maybe that's why Rav Chaim was, was wondering, was that the right I
1: list? see what you mean, right, right, right right. so it's interesting because uh, Rav Tzvi Levinson the son of the Chavaz Chaim once said where did these geirim come from? So he said that when the Eivishter gave the nations the option of receiving the Torah, so let's say, pick out a nation, right? Whatever it is. And they said no. Not everybody said no. Some wanted to say yes, but they were outvoted. But those people (laughs) who said yes, they are the ones who became the Geirah. That's a good word. In other words, when they say he was Choyzer,
0: what does it mean? Star of the Uma? What does it mean? Like Mazel, he wants to say that, even the tsar represented the roiv of the day. but right, uh, it was the roiv, But they were the they were the ones who became the gaver, because uh, they and they were the ones who wanted to speak up but couldn't. It, right, so, so right. it's keilu. It's, you know, that's that's their Harsini in a way. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that could have been their Harsini. Right. There's another chazal, you know, that says that the that that if we somehow figure out all the gaver tzedek, we you know the same way as we know. They say there's a 400,000 or a half a million descendants of Rashi azed, if you do the genealogy. You know, it's p'tzabavus So in the same way you think about it, they say that all the, the at the nests of Hanukkah Soro, when b'yoyim shigomo boyas yitzchak, Chazal say that, um, the, the, well, the Mefarshim explained, but well, we know that Soro is mainik, all the other, uh, the nations. Children. The people yeah. came and said, nah, you're telling me this is her baby? She said, yeah, I'll show you. And she nursed them with obviously milk that came from a woman who had given birth, who was lactating. They say that those children, the descendants of those children, those were the ones who became gay geretsedek. No because, kidding. Yeah. Because the the, the the milk of sorry Menu, the milk no. that out that milk from the Rabbanu Shaul, so to speak, That's that went into there, and all gay said could somehow be misyaches back to people who were there. beyond wow. So this is this is because we if we talk about where this the mystery of gay said but you know Pesach, it, it really is important to speak about it because for so many people this is a. Uh, a transformative time, as you said, a, a time to sort of wonder whether you can make that leap, not necessarily like the leap of Eger Zedek, but as, oh, as, as, as to make that leap to become the Oiv Hashem that you feel that you should have been uh, all right. these years. So in a way, it, it's Kedai to talk about Geirim, because with Geirim, it, it tells us that this. that there is, They can make a commitment and we have to admire them. Really? And and you could be in the same way a Gerka by Nishoma or can find his Nishoma. And you have to say that. Otherwise, you know, he he's making a brush I share zivon, like as part of Klay Israel, right? Uh you can right? still we can find a, a power
1: in that, uh to discover of, of right. we are a story that when I tell this over and I heard this only a few weeks ago, people actually gasp at the punchline. And I think it is so important in life, as you will see in a moment. And uh, I I think it's a great lesson as we reevaluate what we've done this past year and how to approach the coming year. In Lakewood, um, a few weeks ago, at the end of June, there was a first grade Chumash Suda, which meant that Rabbi Kanarik, who's one of the Menalim there, um, they had a party for those kids in the first grade that were getting the Chumash for the first time. And there were many parents who came, obviously, and grandparents who came quite a distance. And he told them this story. He said that a number of years ago in Lakewood, they decided that two days before Yontif, they will give off so that the Rebbeim will be able to help the wives at home to prepare for Yontif. So now, vahi it was two days before Yontif, a fifth-grade Rebbe, comes into the kitchen and says to his wife, look, you know, we have off. tell me, how can I help you? So she says, you want to know how you could help me? I'll tell you the truth. We have six kids, Baruch Hashem. If you could take the six kids on an outing for four hours and get them out of the house, I'll accomplish. I'll bake, cook, clean. It'll be wonderful. And he's thinking, where in the world can he go for four hours, you know, in Lakewood? So he decides he's going to take the kids to Newark Airport and go on the air train. And He's going to be on the air train. I don't know if you've ever been on the train. It's a very sleek train. Yes, yes, it goes from terminal to terminal. It goes around the whole airport many, many times. And you can see the planes taking off and landing. You go over the Jersey Turnpike. It's fascinating. So they drive. They park in long-term parking. And they get on the train. And they are going from station to station. And kids are watching out the window. It's fascinating. The kids were never on this train. Neither was the father, actually. And for two hours, they're enjoying themselves. After two hours a pilot gets onto the train. He gets off, he gets on from one of the terminals and uh, he sees a fly, you know, very neat looking guy with a cap, you know, very trim fellow, nice fellow. And he sees a father with six kids. So, you know, these pilots are very friendly. So he says, he goes over to them. He's in a Southern accent. We all flying today. They didn't know what to say, right? (laughs) They looked at their father. So the father said, "Uh, actually, we're flying nowhere. He says, nowhere? He says, you know, see, we have a Jewish holiday and uh my wife wanted to take care of the house and get it ready for the holiday. So she asked me if I would take the kids on an outing. So we're having a good time together. You know, we're going on this air train. And he got very serious. And he said, young man, I want to tell you something. He said, I've been a pilot for 25 years. There is not a major airport in the world that I haven't landed in. Two years ago, I got a text from my son and he said, dad, You never had the decency to come to my birthdays. You didn't even have the decency to come to my graduation. And last week, you didn't even come to your first grandson, my grandson's birthday party. Do me a favor. Take my number out of your contacts. And he said, two weeks later, I got the same text from my daughter. He said, young man, I have flown everywhere, but gone nowhere. You told me you're flying nowhere, but with your kids, you're going everywhere. Hey. And what? you know something? I've seen people gasp and cry at that thought. You know, we're so busy, but we forget about our kids. And that's really the future. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit of a public figure, not a major public figure. But so many people call with problems. You know, they don't have relations with their parents and they're they're going out to be validated in other places, crazy places. People are too busy today. They don't focus on going everywhere with their children. And that's what he was saying. He said to the grandparents who came from New York and all other places, you think you're going nowhere because you're going to a homish party? That's everywhere. When you spend time with your kids, that's really what you have to do.
0: I think there's another muster here too. You know, it's mm. so so often is the, you know, we we, we try to be mafayas <laughs> chaveri. We want to make sure we come into yoyim adin, and we don't realize it's the people closest to us, our our wives and our children. Those are the ones that we have to work the most in terms of <laughs> bias. Uh, so,
1: so true. We don't think about that.
0: That's right. You have take to. It right. Yeah. The person you might have insulted and in shul. The person who might have yeah. But. What about the the of vart that you might have said? What about the, the, the grimace that you might have given to your child? What about, the, this is, the uh, it, it, that's where it really starts. And I think that's, right. I think your story underscores that as well. That the, um, yeah,
1: no you know, question about it.
0: You know, we, we and, and we take these, rela- just like that pilot who took these relationships for granted. And he was doing it in his mind, he thought he was doing a gr- a great service for the world. You know flying right. everywhere and, and 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 getting people to where they were and we forget uh we forget that uh, out the people that, that that depend on us and the ones right. that we have to have that as you say uh, that
1: recognition that yeah we, and you know from for for many many years that I have felt family is priority and as much as I travel around you know I try to make sure that the kids the grandchildren you know to to always be in contact, always remember. Oh,
0: mentioning how, how yeah. important Mysias are. And mm-hmm. I think we need to develop Sipuri for our family. We're, part of the thing is, both of us as grandparents know, and as great grandparents, know that we want to be able to leave a legacy of Sipuri Mysias. not just of the Gedei that.
1: Right. Loves, you know, it's funny that many times, ourselves. you know, many times people ask me for a brocha, you know, with their kids, the kids are there. So I say to the fathers your kids you should be proud of them but they should be proud of you. I know that uh you know you coming here on the heels of uh you talk
0: about flying everywhere and of course you've been a uh, you've been the Magid, and so to speak you've in the magid's footsteps you've been uh a tour guide and you've had a chance you're like you know you know you know you remember of course the uh in the in the 1960s you had uh, the Galloping Gourmet and Julia Child, who did cooking shows, but you always appreciated their programs because they enjoyed what they were doing. They themselves were were, were part of that world. They themselves were discovering, I, and, and I get that sense from you that you're not the tour guide who's just uh, who's just you know here this look at this and look at this. You yourself are taking these tours and
1: enjoying them as a, a tour of exploring and uh, and right. And- I appreciate you saying that because I'll tell you the truth. Um, I've been doing this since 2003, and I've been offered to go to Dubai. I would never go there. I have no interest because I don't see the Jewish history to go to Thailand and Japan and all these places. I have no interest. The only places where I have gone um, are places where there is Jewish history and I can teach and I can learn. Uh, And I've always said to Mary and my wife and, and anybody that I talk about these things, one of the greatest thrills about these tours is the preparation. I prepared day and night for months, you know, about all the different people who lived in these areas. Now, this year, we were going to go to Provence, and then unfortunately it didn't work out. So we ended up in Switzerland. But in Provence, there were so many Gedolim, so many the Meiri, the Rabag, the Radak, and uh, Riva. We had to Riva at one, two, and three, yes. you know, and I, I had prepared so much. I can't wait to go there. I'd love to go there with you one day. Yes, yes. yeah. Wangadouk.
0: Langaduk, sure, I would. Yeah. Next trip, okay, get me in that suitcase. I'll be there. Yeah, maybe people will think you're me I, that I'm you, so I can maybe uh, yeah, right. I, like when you're tired, I could go out there and say, uh, yeah. go out there and perhaps so, know um, a little bit about what's going on there. So no. the past
1: the past year, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, we went Switzerland. Now Switzerland is challenging. I mean, it's gorgeous. I mean, there's no. It's God's country. There's no mein question. Schreuz, mein Schreitz. Uh, yeah, Rabsham, schreuz, everybody's got to see it. No question. And you know, you're in the mountains. And you just want to make a bracha. The, the water in the mountains is fabulous. But um, one of the people that I spoke about, and I know that you have an appreciation of this person as does David Cohen. That's Rabbi Yakov Yaakov Weinberg, who was an absolute genius. He was uh, an comedian. He was uh, a college graduate and he knew secular things, technology, and social aspects. One of the the most unique Rabbonim and Peiskem of the 20th century. No question about it. I know that
0: David wrote to him. Whose psockim are still used in many, uh, for modern questions and other things. He was a, and and, and it's incredible that, you know, as he he, although he was the rector of the Hildesheimer Seminary, it's clear that the, the tragedies that befell him during World War II took a tremendous toll. And yeah. he ended up really living in Schweiz, living in Montre, right? i um, yeah. And he lived in Montreux, and he lived by the vineyards. And he was, right, 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 for 20 years. They and brought him, where, there. and this is where the, in, in Eretz role, they wanted him to come. They 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 kept on saying, yeah, they, he was offered
1: to be the head of the Besden in London.
0: Yes, and he, uh, Rabbi Bronsky took it over when he stayed in Germany. So he says no, he, he blived over there, and and he was still prolific in those last years. And um, right, and and and. and as, as uh you can see many of his tshuvas, uh that were printed when the Sri came out, you can see that he
1: talks about the pain and the suffering that he that he 's going through yeah he, he, he never had uh, any children i was I was sad to learn that i didn't realize that he had been married and then didn't work out the first time and then the second time he writes know, he, letter, to... he writes a letter
0: to Sternbach where he talks about uh, or Moshe is a very young man. He wrote him a letter and, and he, was, he was, it was, it was and a very deep sugya. And if he of Weinberg was going through his yesodis, and, um, you And you can see in that letter, like almost a stream of consciousness where, you know, where this man's mind was, where his, his pain, and he even mentions, he says, you know, he says, he says, this is uh, something that uh, a tsar that he had gone through and how he was suffering still from it. Which yeah. is the types of statements we don't really find from other yeah. people in Israel, um, yeah. and he, as you said, he, he guided. Um, it, it was uh,
1: academians, people who we wouldn't expect, to right? Finish. So <laughs> I want to tell you a great story. I don't know if you're aware of this story, but um, Rabbi Weinberg and I, I, spoke to him about it. He lives in Bayad Vagan. Now, it was his father who was the Talmud Muvak of Rav Weinberg, and he brought it to my Weinberg family. Printed in the Sefer Yad Shol.
0: His his uh, thesis that uh-huh. uh, that it was a very interesting one. I'll tell you what it was. In order to to get, to um, graduate from Hildesheimer, you had to write just like in a college, you had to write an original essay, a uh, that was something wow. new. So, what was the question? Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg wanted him to write about was the the status of corporations, modern corporations in halacha. So. Schol Weingart, to pass the Bechina, he wrote for his college uh, capstone program a a, a a groundbreaking tshuva based on how do you deal with corporations in terms of chomets, in terms of ribis, and that wow. is really, that was on the inspiration of Rabbi Hilliak of Weinberg. And that is it's 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 cited whenever you look in the literature, it's cited as one of the earliest main sources to figure out what modern corporation. Of course, Rav Moshe wrote about it uh, very often uh, in 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 the later years, in the the forties, fifties, and sixties. But Einachinami, it's uh, it's 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 it's, it's, Rav Abba
1: put out um, ksavim from right. So listen to this. So when when Rav Chilu of Weinberg was Nifter, they brought him to Eretz Israel, and the Mizrahi wanted him to be buried in Sanhedria but Rabchatzkel Sarna was at the Leviah and he and the Bachm of Hebron diverted the casket and did not let it be buried in Sanhedria but rather in Haram Manuchas, and they, and Rabchatzkel said I'm giving him my spot wow. between Rablezi and the Briskarov. so because he said, I want the world to know that he was a gadol among gedolim. You know, that he that he should get his righteous um, pr- uh, perspective. Everybody should know who he really was. So listen to this. So they said to Rabchatzel, now that you gave him your spot in Harman Menuchas, where are you going to be buried? So this was in 1966. And he said like this. And that's why I was happy you mentioned Amosheh and You mentioned him earlier in the program. He said, when I first came to Eretz Yisrael, I bought a plot in Haraz next to my Shreir, Moshe Moshemot Epstein. Now, during the forty-eight War, so then that was taken away. But he said in 66, he said, I know, he said that when he passes away, Haraz Har was is going to be back in Israeli hands. And sure <laughs> enough, it happened in 67, and he died in 69. And he was buried, and he's buried in the plot that he bought originally wow. in Haraz his hakara, who was who Rabbi Chiel Jakob Weinberg, Weinberg was, right. Yeah. Just saying one last, again,
0: we're sort of going into the rabbit hole here, but I will tell you <laughs> that uh, one a mutual friend of both of us who we really uh, loved was Nissen Wolpen. And, sure. uh, and and. Uh, Nisim Woban was Makar of me in, in a very, very strong fashion. Really? Yes, yes. And I can tell you great stories and we'll, wait, we'll save it for a different time. But Nisim Walpen, of course, was the editor of the Jewish Observer, but much more than that. Oh. If you take a look at Rav Nisim Opin's children, you can see how he was making G'dayu M'yotsi M'beisei. But Nisim Woban was encouraging me. Uh, he says, because he wanted me to write for the Jewish Observer. And we were talking about ideas, and I said, "You know what? I'd really like to do. I'd really like to write about Rabbi of Weinberg. I'd really like to." And, and he said, "That's great." And we were talking about, we were planning it, um, and, and 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 how it, like it would be. Like, could it, and I said to him, I called him. I said, "There's so much here. Could it, I, I? don't know if he could go into a uh, a, 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 a a edition of Jewish Observer, you know? Yeah." So we were talking about how we were going to be Mikatzer, Meanwhile, of course, uh, the, the the scholarly work uh, that was printed by Mark Shapiro uh, came out, which is, of course, uh, has become uh, the the real bar about who this man was. But it always struck me that that, that Rabbi was, oh, Did you ever write about him? I have some notes that I took, and I shared them. Wow. With the, yeah, I shared them with the, uh, with people in the past. But it was that it was it was a project that I was working on for for a while. And to me, it was it meant that both of us, both Rabbi Walpen and myself, realized that he was a person that you know needed a goyel, so to speak, and
1: yeah,
0: yeah. that uh, and, and, and the Velt really he, he was also pesach like you. He he wrote in Lashon Hakodesh in such a beautiful way, and you know the fourth volume of the Old Sridayish is basically portraits of Gedeo Yisrael. Of, really of Rabbi Shlomo of of of, of, of and others of people that he knew and, and it's 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 written in majestic rabbinic wow. hebrew but uh, a modern rabbinic type of hebrew where he yeah. really brings these people to life with, with with the type of intellect so i think we can i think we can sort of bridge the beginning and the end that <laughs> go to go to, that, go, go, go to Rabbi Chyliakab Weinberg for his truvis for his tremendous uh, chidushim about so many areas of modern halacha, but also make sure that you, that, that you not just skim, but get involved in that volume where he brings to life uh, these G'deli Yisrael. It's never been translated in English, right? You've got connections in Art Scroll. Let's pick up the phone and <laughs> see what happens. Pesach, thanks a lot again. I, Abraham, I'm
1: going so to talk so to you first. A pleasure to be with you.